Legends, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 4 of The Lowdown. And it is now the month of June when you are hearing this. And hopefully the weather is nice and warm, um, so you can spend some more time outside. And the school year is coming to an end, and I'm really looking forward to my summer. Um, However, we still have such an amazing episode for you today, um, and I really look forward to it. Anyways, how have you been, Ishrath? I've been, I've been okay. I mean, like the whole point about the weather, like it was snowing a couple days ago. That was not fun. Um, and I mean, there's a lot of, maybe there's people in grade 12 who are listening, Grad, grads coming up. I think we have our walk through stage event on June 5th. Um, little, little promo there. Make sure to book your time if you haven't. Um, I don't know if it's still open, but I'm excited for that because who isn't excited to graduate? Um, and obviously excited for our June episode. Um, because we have a very amazing and special guest coming on. Um, but yeah, that's how I've been. How about you? I have been, I've been, I guess, pretty good. I mean, I've been online for so long and it's like, I feel like now it's starting to get to me a little bit, but it's okay. It's not too bad. At least like the, I mean, when I'm looking outside right now, the weather's pretty good. But yeah, a few days ago when it snowed, I, because I remember like two days before it snowed, it was so nice. And I went outside and I was literally sweating and then it started snowing. So, you know, I feel like this always happens, but. It's just the weird, it's like winter, like one day and then it's like summer. Everyone's frolicking in the grass the next day. So yeah, but hopefully by the time you guys are listening, as Cheryl said, the weather is really nice and warm. Maybe you're listening to this on your patio or something while you're like tanning. Um, But yeah. Yeah, I'm so excited for today's episode. Today's guest is the one and only Janice Irwin. She is the Highlands Norwood MLA, official opposition deputy whip, and the NDP critic for women and LGBTQIA plus rights. Welcome to the show, MLA Irwin. Thanks so much for having me. This is super exciting. I know we have so much to talk about today. Me and Cheryl have like a lot of topics and questions set out. So we're really excited for all of those discussions because MLA Janice Irwin is actually our special guest for our Pride Month episode. And we hope to have many important discussions about LGBTQIA plus topics, as well as some more conversation about what she does with with her role. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm really excited for today's episode. Um, You know, I follow you on social media and you're definitely very active on there. I love seeing you, um, you know, engage with a lot of people on social media. Um, And, you know, I think like you utilize that tool really, really well. And like you use it really well to engage with a lot of people and have important conversations on there and spread important messages. So first of all, we wanted to talk about um, kind of your participation in social media. And in these unique times, voters and members of the community may not have had the ability to connect with you like they did in the past, you know, in person at a lot of events um, because of the pandemic, which sucks. However, um, we wanted to ask, like, how has social media helped connect you with like minded people? Yeah, no, great question. Um, you know, I social media can be truly, it can be a bit frustrating at times and there can be some not so awesome aspects of it. But I think you nailed it, especially during the pandemic. Um, you know, we've seen there's a lot of folks who, uh, you know, live alone, 
maybe don't have connections, maybe don't have a cohort, and their online connections are um, a lifeline. And that's not even exaggerating, right? So, you know, I, I obviously like to use my my social media, use use my platform to talk about the issues that matter to me. But, you know, I think one thing that sets me apart a little bit is uh, I also like to spread joy and I like to... Um, take a bit of a light approach, perhaps not the same as, as typical politicians, right? I, I don't mind sharing about my personal life and sharing my cat and all the things um, because I think it's, it's who I am and, and I want to be, be real online, right? Yeah, for sure. And like you talked a lot about how, you know, social media, you try to make it a bright and joyous place and everything, right? And um, I think like that's the beauty of social media is that, you know, there's all sorts of amazing things that happen on there. But I just want to jump in and ask you because like sometimes there are people on social media who, you know, aren't so bright about things and who are spreading a lot of negativity. So like, how do you kind of like deal with those messages and deal with those um, things that you see on social media? Yeah, you know, I'm not going to lie. When I um, first was involved in politics, so I, I started, oh gosh, about 10 years ago when I was running federally. Uh, I think I launched my campaign in 2013. So it's been a few years of, of being on social media and and, and building a presence. And, um, you know, the first time somebody said something awful to me online, somebody called me ugly, whatever, it was hard. Like it, it did impact me. And I think, you know, I think, I don't want to say I've become desensitized, but um, over the years, I definitely have learned um, to not take it so personally and, and to recognize that, you know, if, if someone is saying incredibly awful things to you online, that says a lot more about them than it does about you, right? And and most likely, you know, they're struggling. If their biggest focus of their day is wondering what my gender is, then, oh my goodness, uh, poor person, right? Like, so, no, I, I and I really also... Um, you know, try to respond with education and empathy because truly there are people who will um, say things that seem unkind or inappropriate online, but really they just don't know, right? Um, so they might ask something about tra trans issues. I'm not trans, um, but I get asked if I am, which is not an appropriate question anyways, but I'm happy to talk about trans rights and the work that needs to be done there, right? Or if someone says something that's pretty offensive, well, I'm happy to, you know, unpack that with them and ask them where that's coming from and hope that it was coming from a place of, of uh, not understanding or, and not of, of hate or malice. For sure. And I especially like Social media, it's kind of like, I, I feel like especially for, you know, the younger generation, we're kind of, we're very active on social media. That's where we get a lot of our news. A lot of people use it to, you know, retain majority of their information, which is a good and bad thing because there's, you know, amazing, wonderful people like you who, you know, take the liberty of educating young people and, you know, with accurate information that's like credible and reliable. But there's also a lot of information on social media that's often skewed or biased and not really that accurate. You know, you see those like infographic posts on Instagram that people like to put on their stories and share um, which are not always you know they're not always the most accurate they don't really portray situations without bias for the majority of the time so because of this bias and possible misinformation that can come from infographic posts or any sort of information sharing posts on social media um, how do you think people can um, kind of differentiate between the more reliable ones and the more unreliable sources of information on social media? Yeah, that is great. And you, you know, I was, uh, I was a social studies teacher, high school social studies teacher. And like, you know, one of the things we talk about is, you know, 
critical thinking and digital literacy and having those skills to really um, analyze and assess what is and what isn't accurate. And so, uh, which is a whole other story about why I'm concerned about the UCP's new draft curriculum, because uh, they seem to be moving away from critical thinking, but uh, that's a whole other story. Uh, so, no, I think you're right. It's it's so important that, um, uh, you know, young people, especially, you know, students younger than you have that, uh, have those skills and that they are equipped with digital literacy skills so that um, they are able to differentiate. But I have to say, you know, I don't, I don't see it's younger people sharing a lot of misinformation that's often the older generations, right? Like it's, it's people my parents' age that like, oh my goodness, how can you, uh, how can you propagate this when it's clearly um, misinformation? And so, you know, um, for me, I guess the only thing that I can really do in my position is try to, you know, respond when I do see uh, inaccuracy shared, inaccuracy shared and try as best as I can when I'm sharing information to um, ensure that it's, uh, you know, as unbiased as, as possible. Of course, it's impossible to, to remove all bias in any uh, uh, articles and whatnot, but, um, you know, to try to ensure that there is, is uh, you know, the validity to the sources that I'm sharing. But yeah, it's definitely a worry, right? Because, you know, the internet age has made it just very easy for things, for misinformation to spread. Fake news, yeah. Just yeah, yeah. I was trying to avoid saying that. Oh, oh, well, I mean, it is what it is. Like we learn about it in school. You have to like kind of learn the difference between what's real and what's not because it spreads like wildfire. I mean, there's Reddit, there's obviously Instagram, there's Facebook. There's so many different platforms that people use. But I think as students, like especially because majority of our listeners are students, it's important to have digital literacy, you guys, because if you don't, it's going to be a little bit hard for you. So, yeah. Yeah, totally. And I think like, um, you know, as like useful as social media and like Instagram and Twitter and all those different platforms are, I think it's like really important to like do your own work outside of them and like not just rely on, you know, those like posts that other people have made that they've, you know, bundled up into a really pretty aesthetic package, right? To kind of, you know, look at the news and like look at a bunch of different sources online to get your information instead of, you know, only looking on social media. You know, I think it like it's a really good starting place of course but you know sometimes you just have to take it that step further for sure oh that's great and I mean not gonna lie like I share some of those infographics and some of them are just so well done like people have done a lot of really good work right um but exactly you know there's others where it's like you just share kind of blindly without doing the research so I think you're totally right Cheryl like taking it on um you know individually and actually doing your own your own research as best as you can yeah, for sure. And like, yeah, I agree. There are like so many people who do make like really amazing infographics that make like information more accessible, I guess. And I think that's really great um, as well. Definitely not to take away from all their hard work. Um, yeah. And as well, you know, I do follow your work quite a bit and you are a very, um, you have a diverse like a very diverse role you know you advocate for a number of different things um and you know you do them wonderfully so for example like you're a really strong advocate um for women's rights lgbtqia plus rights trans health education healthcare, many many more i see you talking about those issues over and over again whether that be in like legislature or on your social media um and i really love how you use your platform to talk about all these different um topics so i just want to like ask and get a sense of like what does your work look like in these areas and how do you advocate for these issues that you're passionate about 
Yeah, great question. I mean, so yeah, my my specific role, as you mentioned earlier, is the critic for uh, women's issues, uh, status of women and LGBTQ2S plus issues. And so, of course, you know, that means I'm kind of the point person when it comes to, you know, um, media stories related to those issues, um, when it comes to legislation that's directly related to those two files. Um, but generally, you know, I I care about a lot of issues um, because I have, I'll, I have to tell you both, I have been uh, accused of just solely focusing on the gay agenda and uh, not, uh, you know, and not talking about other issues. And, and when people have accused me of that, I say, oh my goodness, where have you been? Because <laughs> Uh, I talk about a lot of issues and I guess it, yes, I guess I'm, I'm focused on the gay agenda. If the gay agenda includes, you know, education, healthcare, protecting the environment, housing, harm reduction. The list goes on, right? So yeah, sure. Okay. That's, that's the gay agenda then. Right. But, uh, but no, so all that to say, yeah, I mean, um, I, I do have, I mean, having been a teacher and having been someone who worked with education for years, that's obviously a really important issue for me. Um, and it's one that I, I'm not the critic on, but I like to uh, weigh in a lot. Um, yeah. And specifically, um, you know, status of women and LGBTQ2S plus issues. Um, there's not necessarily, there hasn't been a ton of legislation directly related to those bills. Usually they're kind of indirect. So um, one example would be bill eight, which was the education minister's um, bill in 2019, which essentially uh, rolled back access for GSAs, Gay Straight Alliances, in schools. And so Sarah Hoffman, our education critic, was the main lead on that because it was an education bill, but because it directly impacted LGBTQ2S plus issues, I played a really important role in that one as well. So does that kind of make sense where it's like there's not, uh, and status of women, I have to tell you, under this UCP government, the Ministry of Status of Women was combined with two others, culture and multiculturalism. So it's not even its own standalone ministry. And on top of that, um, they very much uh, decimated it. There's only a few people working there. There's um, been a huge uh, cut to uh, um, to the budgets for that um, ministry. So that means there's not a lot happening from this government on status of women, which makes it even more important that we're here to <laughs> to push back. Yeah, and I I like how you talk about how um you know LGBTQIA plus like rights um, and advocacy isn't just like isolated on its own, right? Because you know it's really closely integrated into education and healthcare. So um I think you know you kind of like combine your advocacy like really well and like I guess approach it intersectionally, um, which is you know what we look for um in this world and like that's that's what we're all about really, um and you know I just wanted to ask like maybe like how did you kind of gain an interest in advocacy um or maybe as well like how does working to benefit these groups like what does it mean to you yeah so i mean oh it's a it's a big question so how did i how did i sort of um first just find my place with advocacy is that kind of yeah yeah i mean oh goodness i um I have to go back a little bit. I mean, you know, I, I think I, I, I may have, not, uh, some folks may know, but I was a teacher in rural Alberta. Um, after I got my degree at the U of A, I went out to rural Alberta right away and was was teaching out there in some very small communities and um, pretty, you know, sheltered out there, right? Like, you know, uh, there's a lot of um, a lot of issues that, you know, I didn't realize were so critical until I moved 
um, to the city. And so what happened is I ended up um, taking a job with um, the provincial government, working with Alberta Education on curriculum. And it was supposed to be a temporary job. Long story short, ended up staying in Edmonton. And um, it was when I was back in Edmonton that I really started to um, dig into community issues. Um, one of the things that happened to me is I was uh, I was car free, so I would run uh, run to and from work every day. So I was living in Highlands, uh, the Highlands neighborhood, and I'd I'd run downtown. So it was like oh, you wow. know, I know you're not you you folks aren't in this area of town, but when you when you my running route would basically take me like. Um, along the stadium LRT line, so through the neighborhoods of Boyle Street, Macaulay, where there's a you know there's a lot of folks who are um, struggling with um, uh, being houseless, and so you see you see people experiencing homelessness, um, struggling with with addictions, um, mental health, all the things, and 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 running every day, you know, I got to talk to people and hear their stories, and I saw you know the rows of tents and, and folks who um, weren't um, being um, supported by our by our governments. And, and you know, long story short, that actually um, led me to getting more involved with um, issues around housing and talking to our member of parliament at the time and asking him, you know, what he was doing to support folks who were experiencing homelessness. And I found his answers were um, less than satisfactory. And so, that uh, led me ultimately to um, run to be our member of parliament in 2015. I was unsuccessful in that run, but you can kind of see, like, I just, I started really, um, you know, hearing people's stories and, 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 and wanting to dig in more to the issues. And, and I think that just kind of motivated me to take it to the next step of actually running for office. Yeah, I mean, I really, personally, I really like hearing, like, these stories about how, you know, people, like, first um, found their place in advocacy or, like, what kind of inspired them. I mean, you know, last month we talked to MLA Rocky Pancholi, if you've heard, and, you know, we kind of had some of these similar discussions. And now, like, kind of hearing, you know, your background and how you first got into advocacy and politics and, I guess, like, um, areas that you thought needed some work. I think, um, personally, I really like hearing those. I think they're awesome awfully inspiring. Me too. I, it's, it's really nice to hear and especially just like how candid, um, people like yourself are when speaking about it, because it's, it's a way to like inspire younger people as well to kind of take those brave steps to do more, um, for their community. Because I think that, you know, politics and advocating and all of that stuff, raising awareness, it comes in many, you know, ways, shapes and forms. You don't have to become a politician to, you know, help out different communities or help people in need. Um, you know, there's many different ways that you can do it, you know, start with your inner circle and then kind of like branch out I think I personally that's kind of what I feel like works um because you want to kind of keep the same energy everywhere right because you don't want to just be advocating on social media but then you don't really do the same um you know within your circle so it's really nice to be able to learn how to do that as well and so that kind of brings us to our next topic so this episode um as we mentioned earlier it's going to be released in June um and so which is going which is obviously pride month and this is our pride month episode and as probably, you know, some of our listeners know, you're a member of the LGBTQIA plus community, which is very 
very fitting um, for this episode as well. But it's also very nice that there is someone who is a part of that community who is also advocating for the rights of that community. And as, as a politician, like we've already had so many discussions at length about what you do. But again, like it's obviously that's not the only thing you do. There's so much more you do, which is which makes it even more amazing. Um, but basically, we kind of want to have a little bit of a discussion about inter-community discrimination, um, such as trans-exclusionary radical feminists, biphobia, panphobia. I'm I'm pr- personally aware that there is that sort of inter-community discrimination that um, persists, which I which I think is an important thing that we could um, hear from you about. So, how, did inter-community um, discrimination affect the process of figuring out your identity, and what are your thoughts on that sort of concept? Yeah, no, really interesting question. I've, I I often just get asked, you know, when I do these sorts of things, I just get asked like, oh, what's it like to be the only, uh, you know, openly queer MLA, that kind of thing. So to dig in a little bit more is is great. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I have to say, and I always, you know, whenever I talk about my own journey, um, I very much have to um, preface it by saying that I am someone with a lot of privilege. I am a white cisgender woman, Right. So my experience as a member of the LGBTQ2S plus community is a lot different than someone else's, right? And I can use the example of, say, um, a trans person of color, right? We know that trans folks um, continue to experience um, high levels of discrimination and violence, particularly when uh, they're racialized trans folks, right? So I always just really like to highlight the fact that... um, You know, I cannot, you know, I cannot possibly um, claim to speak for um, the entire LGBTQ2S plus community in the legislature, nor nor would I would I want to. Um, But what I can do is try to um, amplify uh, those voices. Right. So until I have a racialized trans person sitting beside me in the legislature, you know, that sure as heck I'm going to be. Um, you know, fighting for for their rights because we know there's a lot of work to do. Um, but specifically about uh, you know sort of the the intercommunity um, backlash, I I have to say again because I've had a pretty privileged journey, I didn't experience a lot of that. Um, but I still do see an example. We can continue on the example of trans rights. You know, we still do see people in both within the community and of course um, you know folks uh, who are not part of the LGBTQ2S plus community. Um, present a lot of hate and um, discrimination towards towards trans folks. And so uh, that's one issue for sure. And like, you know, whenever somebody says to me, uh, why do you need a parade or why do you folks insist on uh, raising a flag, like whatever the, the criticism is, it's, well, because, well, first of all, you're asking that, which just shows that there's work to be done. But secondly, because there are still so many members of our community that um, aren't supported, right? So We don't, you know, uh, when the UCP uh, raised the pride flag last June and lowered it uh, immediately after, um, there's a reason we pushed back. And there's a reason why Rachel and I uh, unfurled a three-story foot, uh, three-story tall uh, flag from from her window because it matters, right? And we don't do it for me. We don't do it for Rachel. We don't do it so that adults can feel good. We do it for the young uh, queer people who don't feel safe, right? And you know what happened after we did that? We, I had a young racialized trans person reach out and say, like, this does make a difference, right? The, the, when I see a flag flying, 
I know that it means I'm safe, that I'm welcome here, and that my identity isn't something to be, um, you know, mocked or ignored or erased, right? So to be honest, I haven't experienced a lot of that, but I know a whole heck of a lot of people who have, and that's why we need to keep fighting. And it's not just, you know, uh, here in Alberta, of course, there's a lot of work to be done, but we know there's still countless countries around the world where it's homosexuality is criminalized, Right. And don't even get me started on trans rights elsewhere. Right. Yeah, totally. And, you know, that reminds me, like, when you're talking about the pride flag and how it's, you know, it's like a symbol of support and letting people know that, you know, it is a safe space. Like, that kind of reminds me that I think, like, even, like, the smallest things can, like, really have... um, an impact on people's lives that you may not have thought of before. I mean, um, when you talk about that, I kind of remember like my sister, she has like this um, stethoscope thing. And like on there, there's this like attachable pin that just like lets people know that like, you know, this is a safe place for those who are members of the LGBTQ plus community. And I think it's like, you know, maybe like those small things just seem like, you know, people might not even notice them at all. Like, some people might not even care but I think even if it helps a certain like even if it helps one person you know I think um definitely something important still you're you're totally right and you just never know especially like you know we can use schools as an example right there are kids uh for whom school is their only safe space right um where they're not safe at home and they're not free to be who they are um and so you know something as simple as having a um a pride sticker on your door as a teacher or having other students who make it clear, you know, the students who are allies that make it clear that they're, they're allies for the community. That's just so important. Right. And you just never know um, the impact uh, that you could have by just being there. Right. Yeah. And you mentioned um, allies and allyship. So um, as allies, what can we do to kind of um, help our fellow friends and family or just you know, anyone that we know who's a part of the community who's also facing um, that sort of like intercommunity discrimination or any sort of discrimination, what can we do to kind of help them um, feel safe and kind of, you know, accepted as well? Yeah, well, and I think, Ishrat, you said something earlier. Uh, I think it was, I think you said something about just like, just taking things beyond just like sharing a post on social media, right? Like, yeah. there's, it's so easy to just, uh, you know, to just, you know, pretend to be an ally, whatever the issue is. Right. Um, but then not do anything beyond, uh, you know, sharing an Instagram story. Right. And don't get me wrong. There's, there is power in social media. I truly believe that. Um, and I think it really can serve as a, um, a learning tool for sure. Um, but it needs to be beyond that, right? And so what are some things that allies can do? Well, they can absolutely learn, right? Like that's one of the first things is, you know, if you don't understand an issue, um, you know, if, you, if you've heard the term transgender, cisgender for the first time, um, do, some, do, do some research, right? And don't, don't, don't uh, just go to somebody from the community and expect them to do the work for you, right? Yeah. Uh, and I think that's something that happens. That happens a lot with racialized communities, right? I have a few friends mm-hmm. who, uh, who recently have just been sharing with me, like, oh, people like reaching out and asking about certain um, uh, issues. And I'm like, that's just, yeah, don't don't expect others to do your your work, right? Because it ends up being like emotional labor. And uh, um, it's one thing to reach out and offer support and how can I help, but to, uh, you know, to, to just uh, put that on someone else isn't always the best way. So that's one thing for sure, learning, right? And teaching. And the teaching piece um, comes out in, uh, you know, I don't want to just say call out because I know that's too easy, call out culture, but 
you know, teaching opportunities. Try to, um, when you can, try to respond to, um, you know, comments that are homophobic or transphobic. Try to respond first with, with, with love and with, with, with uh, a, an approach of, of wanting to teach, right? Of course, you can't always do it because some people really are just hateful and that's an unfortunate reality. Um, but yeah, so when you do hear something, you know, you hear something in the hallway that's, uh, that's, um, that's offensive, that's, that's hurtful to a member of the LGBTQ2S plus community, right? Stop it. Talk to them. Call it out. Explain why it's why it's harmful if you can. I mean, I know sometimes it's not safe to do so. Um, yeah, and be there, right? Be there. Be present for members of the community, right? Um, you know, you might know somebody at your school who's, um, you know, struggling right now. Maybe they're coming out. Maybe they haven't come out to their parents. Maybe they haven't come out to folks at school. Whatever it might be, right? Letting them know that um, however their journey looks, you're there for them, Right you're there to support them and be there for them, even if it's just to sit and listen, right? Um, yeah, so those are some those are some easy things that I think folks can do. Um, I just, like I said, it always comes back to learning and teaching for me. And um, uh, I do really think, you know, I, I, I've, I talked about it actually a lot in the legislature, just how, gosh, I know when I was a teacher, I wish, like I, I reflect back on... Um, knowing that there were kids who were struggling and they didn't have somebody there. I was teaching in rural Alberta 10 years ago. There weren't GSAs, there weren't QSAs. There was no such thing as a safe space, right? I remember hearing homophobic comments and not doing anything about them. And that just kills me, right? That just kills me to think that um, I wasn't there for kids, right? And I, that I wasn't uh, out as a teacher either to show them that um, you can be out and you can it's okay, right? So I think part of that honestly gets me a little emotional, right? I think part of that's what um, uh, motivates me, right? So that, you know, we we need to, I need to continue to be a loud voice in the legislature for LGBTQ plus plus rights, because I know right now there are kids across this province who aren't safe and aren't seen and aren't loved, right? Yeah, for sure. I think um yeah that piece is like really reflective and kind of like thinking yeah that's actually really inspiring to hear and it is really beautiful to kind of see you do that and it's also really nice when we have allies as well um I know like for me personally it's just like just you need to call out people it doesn't matter if it's your friends or if it's your family because you're doing you're also doing them a favor right because you are helping them become more educated and become a better person and a better human being because it's there's nothing wrong with being a supporting and loving person there's no crime that you're committing with that right and I think that it it takes just a lot of you know you have to be understanding and tolerant and patient but you also have to be willing to open yourself up your heart up and your mind up to anything and if you don't know about something if you're not educated about the topic then educate yourself as you stated earlier right um but do that kind of like on your own with your own sort of resources try to use your own resources first and then you know if you want to ask someone of a community a question that you know you're comfortable with and they're comfortable with answering you then I guess it would be okay but again I think that's better to kind of with any issue right just not just um this issue but like with any sort of topic that there is it's good to kind of use what you have at your hands first and then kind of expand from there um but yeah I think these are just like it's like basic human rights I think you know there's not really a lot of complexity to it when you think about it it's just like opening yourself up and being open to 
being just like really loving and supporting. Um, and again, like a lot of our listeners are students. So hopefully they were able to take away a lot of um, information from what you talked about, as well as um, if there's any um, people who are listening who are allies, um, hopefully they can also learn how they can support um, people as well. So thank you for all of your um, kind of input on that. It was really, I learned a lot as well, just sitting here. I was like, whoa. <laughs> Yeah, honestly, like you kind of, it kind of reminds me, you know, sometimes even like I think back and I, to certain situations and I think like, oh darn, like I wish like I could have, you know, called this person out in that moment. Um, and, you know, I, I try to like make it like always do that whenever it comes up. Right. And I, I guess I do understand in some situations, it's like some people feel very uncomfortable doing so because, you know, there's a lot of other social pressures, right? They feel like, um, who knows, like maybe they're going to get, um, I don't know, bullied for like, you know, speaking their opinions and kind of calling someone out. Um, so I think that's like a big thing, especially in high school, I think, where people are more susceptible to those um, influences. But yeah, I think um, I definitely try to be like a really good ally. And I um, I think like probably the most important thing that I've learned about allyship is to like, not like speak up over people who are in a part of the LGBTQ2S plus community, right? Because um, I definitely cannot speak on behalf of them. Like I have no idea um, what they really go through every day. And um, so I think like, yeah, just giving, ensuring that like I have like a boundary between um, in my advocacy so that I am actually, I'm not speaking for other people, I guess, but um, I'm kind of, helping other people like speak for themselves I guess so I think that was probably something important that I've learned a while ago oh no that's awesome yeah and, and same I mean you know when I'm dealing with um you know issues uh impacting racialized folks uh, I think of the example of missing and murdered indigenous women and girls right I mean I'm I'm not I'm not indigenous um but I don't you know I don't have an indigenous woman sitting with me in the legislature so you know I, I will speak up a lot about that issue but again like you said not speak um for them and and I think you know the other thing just going back to the piece around you know regretting not speaking up um yeah it's it's easy to beat yourself up and I know I've I've really had to come to terms with like you know you you did the best you could at the time and you know that you might have made mistakes and I just now I think I kind of guide myself with the knowledge that you know um I've never regretted speaking out and speaking up but I've always regretted the times I haven't right and so just you know moving forward just trying to um yeah just just trying to to be that um you know that ally and uh that voice um when it's needed yeah for sure and you know um I think we yeah I, I really like the discussions that we had about um this topic and I hope you know all of our listeners can kind of learn a bit as well like as much as I did um from you know just within this these 30 minutes I feel like I've already kind of learned a lot and um lastly because most of our listeners are in high school um we would like to know maybe looking back what advice would you give to your high school self good question oh my goodness oh what advice would I give to my high school self um you know what I think honestly just to um to to enjoy it um you know even though things really seem stressful at the times you know at the time at least I know what I was I was someone who 
thought it was really, really important to get high marks, which of course, you know, it's, it's nice to do well, but I know at times I put that above, um, you know, friends and relationships with friends. And I, and I, I stressed out a lot as a, as a high school student and a student. And so just urge you to, to recognize that there's a whole, whole life ahead of you and a whole world out there. And so to maybe stop, take a breath, uh, assess what's important, right. And, uh, and live as much as you can in the moment because, oh my goodness, it flies by quickly, doesn't it? It really does. Like I'm in grade 12 and, you know, I'm going into university and everything and just like thinking about like the past two years, which like obviously like because of COVID, like I was kind of like at home for majority of grade 11 and grade 12, but it's like that whole like kind of like separating your like academic life from like your social life. It's like really, really, really important because if you don't, you're not going to be happy. You're not going to be able to enjoy high school and as far as I know, it doesn't get easier. So you kind of need to learn that earlier on because there's many opportunities to like have fun and do well in school. I think that it's not difficult to find the balance. You just kind of have to have that like practice. So I definitely agree with you on that. I would give that advice to my old self as well. <laughs> awesome. Um, yeah, I, I actually agree with that. I feel like your advice that you give to your high school self is literally like a lesson that I'm trying to like learn right now, because like, I'm definitely someone who, um, probably makes a bigger deal out of things than they really should be. Um, especially, you know, this past year with like high school and everything, but I'm only in grade 10, I guess. So, you know, hope, hopefully I can, um, enjoy high school because like I feel like a lot of times I hear from other people looking back that high school really was like such like a super duper fun time for them and I don't know yeah I hope I like get to experience that to the full extent after things turn back to normal which I'm crossing my fingers for so yeah well you got time make sure you listen to my wise words of wisdom and same with Ishraths because clearly you know <laughs> We're so much older and wiser, right? <laughs> right. I'm literally graduating over with high school. But I think, yeah, I don't know. I feel like with high school, it's just like make the best of it. You know, I don't think that there's any way that you could go wrong as long as you try to do that. And there's so many ways that you can engage yourself. Like our school has so many different communities and opportunities and clubs and activities that you can join um, to make your high school experience better and more enjoyable. So make sure to look into that as well. Absolutely. And after, like, you know, today we had um, a pretty weighted discussion. I think we talked about so many things. And, like, finally, we really have, like, one last question that a bunch of people have been dying to hear. Um, and it's pretty much that, do you, um, pineapple on pizza, yes or no? Wow. Wow. <laughs> you didn't prep me for this one. Oh, my goodness. It's I'm a glad. bit of a surprise. Wow. I'm glad I'm sitting down. Oh, my gosh. Uh, you know what? Oh, I, don't, I hope I don't lose any supporters over this. But, um, I do not, do not support pineapple oh. pizza. Wow. Oh. <laughs> so I, I don't either. I'm sorry, you guys. I'm going to have to join Emily Ehrman on that one. I just, I don't know. I just feel like it just doesn't, it doesn't match. It's not the vibe. I'm sorry. Sorry, not sorry, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, same. No, well, you and me, we're, we're together on this one, yeah. but yeah. So I'll understand if you end up not sharing this podcast after. <laughs> yeah, well, I might. I'll have to express my opinion that I am a pineapple on pizza supporter. So, yeah, this is going to be a tough conversation after we end this podcast, I know. But, um, yeah, I 
I had a really fun time talking Me with you too. today. Um, and I loved what we talked about. And I hope our listeners also really like what we talked about today. Um, but other than that, we just want to thank you for your time in coming onto our podcast. Thanks for having me, uh, both of you. And like, oh my goodness, Lillian Osborne High School, how amazing are all of you? Such thoughtful and insightful questions. I hope I did them justice. And I just want to let all of your amazing listeners know that, um, you know, I know you have an amazing MLA in Racky Pancholi, but if there's anything I can ever do to support any of you, reach out to me, social media, whatever it might be. Just, uh, yeah, thanks for being rad. Yeah, thank you so much. All right, you guys, that is a wrap. That was a really good discussion. I think there's a lot to talk about. I really, and there's like like so much just like informative conversation, especially about how to be an ally, social media, activism, advice to your high school self, the LGBTQIA plus community. Like there was just a lot of stuff to pack down and digest, but it was good because hopefully you guys learned just as much as Cheryl and I did, right? Because I'm pretty sure Cheryl learned just as much um, as I did, hopefully. And, you know, we started off our conversation with social media and kind of like social media because MLA Irwin is very active on social media. I mean, I've seen her on my TikTok for you page. So like she's (laughs) very, very active. Even before we started this, I I saw her once. And so I think that... um, A lot of our listeners obviously have social media and different forms of it. And she gave really good advice about how to kind of have a have good um, digital literacy and have a good online presence. Make sure that what you're saying online obviously isn't harmful. Um, Also, make sure that you're using um, social media properly and that you have a good method of figuring out what sources of information are reliable and not. You know, we also had that discussion about uh, fake news. Make sure don't don't fall prey to fake news, you guys. That's it's embarrassing. Um, please don't do that. But I mean, you learn about it in class anyway. So hopefully y'all were listening. And yeah, so what else do you think um, you learned about social media, Cheryl? Yeah, I know. Um, I was like, just gonna say that I also learned a lot. And I know we say that every single episode and <laughs> every single time. But truly, I feel like I did learn a lot. I really like listening to her talk. And she's you know, a pretty fun person to talk to, you know, she jokes around and that, you know, makes it a lot easier to talk, uh, makes it a lot easier to talk with her. And I think it was just really fun for me altogether. Um, And yeah, about social media, like you were saying, I know she is really um, active on social media. I see her all the time on yeah TikTok and like sometimes like my Twitter and my Instagram and I want to just say like I really like how um Emily Janice Irwin just she just has this like ability to turn like negativity into positive like into positivity on on social media because I remember like um she if if you've heard of it the hashtag lesbian activity was like um she just like like someone said that in a more negative connotation and she just like turned it into you know a really popular hashtag and like um turned it into you know not not so much of a negative thing and she kind of um kind of embraced that so that was really great to see and I thought it was pretty uplifting as well um I know that you know in terms of social media I think it's really relevant just because um I do see so many infographic posts on my Instagram all the time 
time and people share them all over the place. Um, and there's like two things, you know, like I think like sometimes they're like really, really great resources um, to people who maybe find it hard to like comprehend a lot of um, more advanced topics. I think they're a great way to kind of make them more palatable to others. Um, but at the same time, like it's really easy to spread misinformation on those so we talked a bit about, you know, how we can kind of go that extra step in making sure that we're properly informing ourselves, which was, I think it's really useful um, to high school students and, you know, people of all ages. So yeah, for you guys who are listening as a, um, you know, you obviously are listening through Spotify or Apple Music or uh, whatever you are using, but you probably found out about the podcast through some form of social media, um, or you probably have social media. I think everyone these days has some way, shape, or form of it, um, or you use the internet. So again, like where you're getting your information from really matters, whether it's like Wikipedia or like CBC News or like an Instagram post. Like you need to learn how to differentiate what's credible and what's not. Um, and again, Emily Irwin talked at length about that. So hopefully you guys can kind of put that into action um and other another really important kind of like topic that we um had a discussion about was allyship um and kind of allyship when it comes to lgbt the lgbtq to us community as well as kind of just like intercommunity discrimination that she talked about um and so as an ally she kind of told us that the number one thing that we can do as allies um as cheryl and i mentioned before that we are allies is that you can educate yourself um and kind of like gain knowledge that's like the number one thing that you can do whether it's um you know do it on your own on your own time before you go and ask someone um who's a part of the community just because as she said it's emotional labor as well um so yeah i think cheryl and i both talked about different ways that we've kind of like taken that role of being an ally right Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think like um, while we're on the topic, I think, um, you know, at the school, there's so many um, different resources for like support and everything. And I know one of them is the GSA or the Gay Straight Alliance. And, you know, I've actually been I've, I've attended a few of those meetings um, and I encourage some of you guys to attend if you're comfortable as well because um, I went a few times um, and it's honestly really fun like everyone there is like super welcoming super supportive and you know um, it's a really I, I would say it's like a such a fun community because sometimes you go on there and they're just like playing online games together as a group um, so yeah I think like that's really fun and it's um, a great place to find um you know, people who support you um, and people, you know, who you can just relate to. And I think it's such a great place as well. Um, so they definitely deserve a shout out. So yes, shout out to the GSA. Um, again, like that's the wonderful thing about high schools like ours, where we have GSAs um, and we have communities and strong communities as well. You might find like-minded students or clubs like this to take part in. And, you know, on that topic of high school, she gave us some input on what she would tell her high school self kind of like she wanted to say that she would tell her high school self to differentiate her academic life from her social life and kind of learn how to balance between wanting to get good grades and your relationships with your friends um and again like I'm in grade 12 and I, I totally agree with that because I think that for me it's like yeah like it is difficult to balance that because there is academic pressure right it doesn't matter what class you're taking it doesn't matter what you're doing you know after high school like 
there is academic pressure no matter what and I think that it's important to learn how to like balance that and remember that grades are not everything I learned I literally learned that the hard way like obviously care about your grades don't like you know like not care about school but grades are really important at the same time so are your friends so I think that you know you need to be happy you need to live your life as well and you know grades are not the end all be all yeah for sure and I I mean it was like really nice hearing that from her I think especially because like even though like I know it's really important to like separate the two I feel like I have a hard time like putting that into practice you know just because I'm definitely someone who has like um like I, I guess like held myself to a pretty strict standard over time so it's kind of like hard to uh, I guess let that go even now but I hear it all the time and you know how high school is you know a really really a time to um, socialize meet new people find your interests and everything and it doesn't always come down to your grades and I'm really trying to drill that into my brain as well kind of hard but definitely trying to um, and I'm you know I'm looking forward to my years to come because um, I still got two years left so I really hope to I really hope that things can go back to normal kind of and I can have the experience of fighting people in the hallways in crowded oh. hallways so oh my gosh please it was like and I'm like short so it wasn't even <laughs> like it was like parting you know through like a sea of people um it was definitely a little bit difficult but yeah so hopefully when things go back to normal um you guys can you know put that high school advice into action and until then um you know take what we learned today through the podcast by talking to MLA Irwin and put that into action for sure. Yeah. I hope you guys um, enjoyed listening. Hope you learned a lot. I hope um, it was a fun episode to listen to as well. And of course, we couldn't have done this without the support of Mr. Ogrodiak, Mr. Baki, our content producers, Angela Torres and Aaron Padbury, our technical producers, Kevin Xiao, Renee Cordero, Shamir Mughal, and Elliot Slavens, our photographer, Alyssa Fraser, and last but not least, the Lillian Osborne Parent Association, Mr. Radmanovich and the admin team. And finally, a Special thanks to Nadim Chahayeb, Harad Ranjbar, and Elliot Slavens, respectively, for the music that you heard today. For sure. And stay tuned for our next episode. And until then, just remember to be, be legendary. legendary.